Thank you. How is everyone? Struggling with my microphone. Got the wire. I've tucked my shirt in. It doesn't work so well when your shirt shirt is tucked in because it all the wires don't go where they want you want them to. So, is everyone good today? Is having a great weekend? We're having a great weekend. We've got baptisms tonight. And uh, family members are being, family member is being baptised. Jonathan's getting baptised along with a number of other people. And uh, so my brother, his wife and uh, uh, girls are with us and grandparents, etc. So it's great to have the family uh, with us. And I know that a lot of people are just very excited about um, celebrating together. So I really encourage you tonight as we, we look towards uh, the baptism. It, it, you know what? Baptism is a prime time for people to meet with Jesus. It's a prime time for us to understand what our faith is all about. Amen? And uh, so I really want us um, to um, really just come together and really celebrate together what God is doing. These are uh, everyone who's been baptized, you remember that moment. I was 15 years of age when I got baptized. I can still feel the water rushing over my face. I can still feel that, that moment of exhilaration knowing that I was stepping into uh, uh, an obedience toward God and just following in his pathway. I had no idea where my life was going, uh, but I knew God was in control because I was putting him number one. Amen? And uh, so I really encourage you uh, to celebrate with everyone who's doing that tonight. And, uh, you know, um, uh, the ladies have been away um, celebrating Hattie's uh, hen weekend. Uh, it's funny how we used to have, like, you'd be a stag night and a hen night, and uh, they're always a bit sort of outrageous, weren't they? And uh, Christians were always kind of like, what do we do? And, uh, but generally, uh, they, there was less of the drinking and more of the crazy antics. And uh, so I remember one of our friends on a, we, we tied him up with cellophane and poured. Um, toner, oil and ink all over him from a photo. I don't know why but we did. And uh, there was, uh, I got thrown in the sea um, by having been put in the boot of my pastor's car um, tied up, put in the boot and then taken to the seaside, thrown in the sea uh, that kind of, you know, those kind of things but now it's far more, oh let's go away for a weekend. Let's spend like a vast amount of money hang on a sec, you're just going to get married. You're going to spend a vast amount of money anyway. But let's do it before we get married. And uh, so, um, so they've all been away. And, uh, but having had the ladies out of the house, um, uh, what I noticed for myself with Cheryl being away is the speed at which I can get ready. <laughs> no one... Does it look as good, Christina? I think so. <laughs> you see, here's the thing that every married man knows. There is a difference between a man getting ready and a woman getting ready. So this is how my day goes, particularly on a Sunday. She is how my Sunday goes. And... Uh, <laughs> She was looking at me concerned, so I just winked in that, I'm going there anyway, look. And um, so this is how my Sunday starts. I get up in the morning, I make a cup of tea for myself and my beautiful wife, and then I, I take the, um, I get dressed, but not in my church clothes, in my 
sort of garden working dog walking clothes and I, I take the dog for a walk and I let the chickens out and then I come back and um, I potter around the house I have a cup of uh, coffee I'll have some breakfast uh, and then I'll make cappuccinos because we like to have a cappuccino before we get to church and it uh, helps with the anointing and uh, <laughs> so we, we have a cappuccino so I'll, I'll uh, make a cappuccino for me, uh, for Cheryl, and anybody else is in the house at the time. And uh, so we make cappuccinos, and I take, and then I, I go up and I take Cheryl a cappuccino, and then I come down and maybe read my Bible. Um, and uh, Cheryl, in that time, of course, is getting ready. And uh, and at some point, and then I'll go back up and I'll get dressed, um, and then put my church clothes on. And about that time, we emerge together, and. The difference being, of course, is the emphasis on what you're presenting. The difference is being, because I just slap on the clothes, walk away, and then Cheryl will go, you haven't done your hair. Oh, why didn't you tell me? And uh, whereas Cheryl has put an immense amount of effort into how beautiful she's going to look. And I know everyone's like, this guy's treading on dangerous ground here. (laughs) But we have to face it, ladies spend a lot longer getting ready than the guys do, as a rule. Now, somebody told me at Route 66, our leadership academy, that men are now spending more time in front of the mirror than women. However, right, it was a woman who told me. (laughs) And I just don't believe it. I mean, there might be a few guys out there. Who, who have, you know, they want to do the... I mean, I will put cream on my face because I, I want to smooth out those wrinkles and uh, it's not going to work, but I like to feel it is. <laughs> and uh, I'll, you know, I'll shave, I'll cream, I'll aftershave. It, like, it takes like 30 seconds, you know. Bang, 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 bang. Like, away you go. Shirt from the... Yeah, it's ironed enough. And uh, <laughs> trousers, trousers, trousers. Clean. Yeah, 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 they're right. And uh, sniff test. And uh, <laughs> it's the way it goes, isn't it? Isn't it, guys? You're like, come on, you're with me in this. The ladies are all going, oh, where, where? But the ladies will put on their makeup and they'll put on their clothes and they come out and they're ready for church. And here's the thing, right? We all know that. The beauty of who you really are is on the inside, not on the outside. But what you see first makes an impression on you about who that person is. And so the ladies are getting dressed and everyone comes and they say, oh, hi, how are you doing? How are you? Where's beautiful Cheryl? We go abroad and go and they go, oh, Cheryl, you just get younger. They never say that to me. You just get, how do you look so beautiful? How do you look so young? I think it's got something to do with the hours spent. <laughs> the time, the preparation. She presents who she is on the outside is a reflection of who she is on the inside. You see, your makeup isn't actually uh, about making you more beautiful. It's emphasizing who you really are. Come on, ladies. It's just emphasizing who you really are. And that, that is, of course, the reality 
uh, of why we do it. Now, you do it. Um, <laughs> your grandma might always say, you don't need all that, you look just beautiful as you are. But we all know that the, to emphasize something is to bring it out and say, this is good. It's like eating food. You all put a little bit of salt, you put a little bit of seasoning, you put a little bit of something so that you can taste those high notes of flavor within the food because you want to bring that out. You want to bring out an emphasis. The food is the food, but to get the flavor of it, you add something that salt is like eyeliner. <laughs> salt is like just that little bit of foundation. Every lady has, has got that little pot of foundation. They reckon that over 50% of ladies are not happy with their foundation. And uh, all I can say is go and have a word with... Listen, I listen to the radio. I take note. Go and have a word with Cheryl because she is the queen expert on foundations. And uh, she is. And uh, she's advised me many times. And, but it says here in the book of Titus, you were wondering where I was going to get to the Bible, weren't you? The book of Titus, chapter 2 and verse 9 to 10, it says, now this is an interesting scripture because this is Titus and he's, uh, this is Paul speaking to Titus and he's, he's bringing out a letter and he's talking now to slaves. And I'm reading from the New King James. Oh, you got my message. Thank you. It says here, exhort bond servants to be obedient to their masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God as saviour in all things. Now, this is what I've noticed. And I'm going to step even more on dangerous ground now. I reckon makeup is worn for one of two reasons. I reckon it's either worn to reveal the beauty of who you are, to emphasize and just worn with confidence, or it's worn to hide who you really are, and it's worn with fear. And so, so ladies either, or guys for that matter, <laughs> people wear makeup to either reveal themselves or to hide themselves. But what we always do is we always create an emphasis on what we feel like on the inside. And what happens in our life is that what Christ has done for us remains hidden in our life and unless we are prepared, as the Bible says, to adorn what He has done. But let me read to you Titus again, and then we're going to go to the book of Psalms. It says, Titus, and let me read to you verse 9 and 10 again. Exhort bondservants. This is, so Paul is talking to slaves. And we all here identify with the principle of slavery. Not in the physical slavery, but the bondage to fear, the bondage to insecurity, the bondage to uh, the kind of thinking where you feel like you're dominated, you're controlled, you're, there is a negativity, a sense of failure, there is, a, there is a, maybe issues around your heart and life. We've all experienced those processes of life. And Paul is saying, exhort the bond servants to be obedient to their masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, not showing, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God as saviour in all things. That word adorn literally means to embellish. 
In other words, to magnify what God has done. You see, what God has done in your life will remain hidden unless you magnify it. You see, when you ask Jesus into your life, you asked Him in and He came into your heart. Your heart is that invisible spiritual space of your spiritual life. You you can't find it on an x-ray. You can't see it. If you go to the, if you get one of those complete scan things that, that scan up in there, you're not going to find the heart that God is saving. But He lives within that space of your life. He has done a miracle that has transformed you in every part of your life. But what you magnify is a reflection of what you are believing in. And Paul is speaking to these slaves and he's saying, listen slaves, stop living like slaves. Your physical life has all kind of restriction. You might be in a work environment you just don't like. Well, stop complaining and start revealing what God has done in you. You see, we spend a lot of our time just coming to and fro and we're asking, I'm a little tired of the church and I when I say tired I don't mean like frustrated but I really believe that there is coming uh, a season when we start speaking about our responsibility to recognize our own sinful nature yes. it's not a it's not a trendy message that one the word sin is not an easy word to use because it's been so cliched in today's society I remember speaking to a man nearly 20 years ago um, preaching he was a uh, he had a drink issue. In fact, he was, a, he was a binge drinker. And so he would be completely sober for a few weeks and then he would just hit the pub and he would drink. And when he would do that, he would, he would do any numerable things to get money to get more beer. In fact, he, he once sold Paul Barton's caravan <laughs> to, to another man um, <laughs> just so that he could drink more beer. Paul he had loaned him the caravan and, uh, and it then got sold on. And, uh, and so here's this guy, right? So you can imagine he's a character in the church that we're dealing with. And he said to me, I am not a sinful man. He, you know, I don't know what his view is. Maybe sinful man was a man. I don't know. It, it's nicking things. Isn't maybe murder? I don't know. He hasn't murdered anyone. <laughs> but the reality is, we are all responsible for the sin of our own life. But what happens with that sin? What happens with that negativity? What happens to that unbelief? A lot of us don't recognize, don't realize that our own unbelief about ourselves is sin before God. Because it's saying to God, I don't believe what you say about me. I don't believe I'm righteous. God says, I made you right. I don't believe I'm righteous. Now we're denying his work of grace in our life. That's called sin. Because we don't like that. Because if we recognize that as sin, then, then that makes us responsible. So what happens is that we have created a Christianity that goes along like these things. It's the shopping list, consumerist Christianity. And what we do is we just keep coming to God asking for more things. 
Now it's good to us, the Bible tells us to ask for the things that we need. I need a healing, please Lord, will you heal me? That's a good thing to ask for. I need a miracle, please Lord, will you provide finances for this situation? Sure, that's a good thing to ask for. But what happens is when we live with a sense of our own personal failure, rather than the miracle that God has done on the inside, we begin to magnify who we were, not who we are. And the Bible says that we are to slaves adorn the work of grace in your life. Reveal God's doctrine in your life because it's in you. Now you've got to put some makeup on that thing. You've got to show the world how good it really is. You've got to bring it out. You've got to, everybody knows, everybody knows how beautiful you really are. But when you just put a little bit of eyeliner, when you put a little bit of lipstick, you just emphasize that and you go, hello, I'm here. Now I know that maybe ladies here, oh, I don't wear makeup. That's all right. (laughs) I'm in trouble now. (laughs) I don't want to hear your makeup stories, by the way, after church. I honestly am not interested. (laughs) But I want you to understand. I want you to understand that There is an emphasis that God has called us to put on. And the emphasis, it is our responsibility to not just keep coming to God and say, please, will you give me? Please, will you give me? Please, will you give me? Pastor, will you pray for me? Friends, will you comfort? I need this. I need this. I need this. How about instead of asking for things, Paul is talking to a slave who needs lots of things. But for that slave to stop being a slave, the first thing he's got to start doing is reflecting what God has already done. And what God has already done is he saved him and set him free and made him as righteous as his master, equal with his master before God. He doesn't, it doesn't matter what your personal circumstances are right now. It's time to adorn what God has done. It says in the book of Psalms, verse 34 and verse 2, It says this, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. What you clothe yourself in. In is what you bring attention to. I don't wear the clothes that I walk the dog in to church. Not appropriate. None of you have got your gardening clothes on or your work clothes. You wouldn't wear them to church. I've worn them in church, but that's when I'm helping out fixing things with Paul. On a inner in the week, during the week, this week, we're ripping this carpet goes this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes this week. Next week, we have new carpet down. Praise the Lord. Jesus is still on the throne. The miracle has happened. But during the week, I'm not going to be wearing these clothes because these are the clothes I wear to come to church and they are a reflection of what I want to say 
about who I am and how I love God and how I'm in respect for you and for God, I want to wear my smarter clothes. It's a respect. But when I come to work, I have to wear clothes that the reflection of my working environment. If I'm working in the gardening, you get the, the, the really old clothes. The stuff that you've saved, they had been nice once, but that was years ago. And now you're better. And they've just got stains and they're ripped and they're, and they're baggy. There were jumpers and they've stretched and, and old t-shirts. So you liked them and you kind of, kind of thought, I, I won't throw that. I'll keep it. I'll use it in the garden. And you've got a collection of those clothes and you won't wear them out. You won't even go supermarket shopping in them. And if you do have to go to the supermarket with them on, you feel awkward. You're walking around going, don't look at me, don't look at me. <laughs> and so what happens is that what we wear is how we behave. What you reveal about your life, if you live in fear and you reveal the fear, then you are reflecting your fear and not God's salvation and your life will be filled with more fear. You want to be away from fear, start revealing what Jesus has done for you. He has hidden his word, the Bible says, in your heart. If it's hidden in your heart, it's your responsibility to reveal it. The word of God has been brought out that you might be free of your slavery. You see, God has put the same beauty in every person who believes. Salvation is the same for every person. He has no favorites. If you confess the name of Jesus Christ and you believe in Him, a miracle takes place on the inside of who you are. A new identity is formed, a new hope and a destiny of life, a direction and a purposefulness comes around your life and you suddenly get an an inkling of who you are. But what tends to happen is we reflect to default and we go back to the way. There are still fears, there are still issues, we have to work out our salvation. And what happens is that we begin to reflect who we were, the fear, the negativity, the tending towards gossip, the tending towards just not getting it, to run away, to rivet. And what happens is we begin to reveal who we were. But God has called us to reveal who he is. See, those who embellish what God has done are those who are being liberated from their past. You want to be free? You want to step into a new life of freedom? You want to be that believer that makes a difference? I get many people who are inspired by a great person's testimony and they say, I would like to be like that person. Here's the difference. You have to reveal what Christ has done, not just what you're living in. I live in the natural world, but my life is invested into a supernatural. The beauty of who I am is found in a supernatural place. And so, we all carry the beauty of Jesus Christ. 
Isn't that extraordinary? The fullness of his salvation and the fullness of who he is has been deposited into each of your hearts without measure, the Bible says. Without measure. The fullness of him has been given to you without measure. That's so big, we don't even, can't even, your brain switches off at that point, doesn't it? That without measure, it's like thinking about how big the universe is. In the end, your head goes, yeah, okay, too big. I got to stop thinking because it's too big. It hurts my head to think about forever. But God is without measure and he's put the beauty of who he is without measure in your life. All you have to do is reveal the beauty of it. All you have to do is step up and go, I'm going to live as someone who is saved by God and not as someone who's living in their past. I'm not going to reveal my negativity. I'm I'm not going to live like a slave. I'm not going to be the same person, but with Jesus hidden in my heart. I'm going to be the person who reveals his glory. And as you do that, you are released from who you were. It says here in Isaiah 61 and verse 3, it says this, Console those who mourn in Zion. Give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Why? That he may be glorified. You see, many people are looking for a testimony of what God has done for them. Their testimony is, Jesus did this for me. I believed and I received a car. I believed and I received a job. I believed and I received a healing. I believed and I received something. But your testimony isn't about what you receive. Your testimony is about what you glorify. The testimony. Other people are not even remotely interested about what you got. They're only interested on the impact that you make. And if you only reveal yourself, you make little impact and you make reveal nothing of Jesus Christ. What you bring to another person is what you embellish that God has done on the inside. When you reveal Jesus Christ on the inside, suddenly other people's lives are touched and changed forever. If there's an honesty and a generosity. If God has put a work in your life, then if you've got the courage to reveal that, even when you don't feel it, you reveal it, then God will set you free too. It's having the courage to stand up and be generous when you're running out of money. It's having the courage to love people when you've been hated day in and day out. It's having the courage to honour your boss at work when he doesn't know his left hand from his right, he comes into work and he's ready and he's indifferent about your faith or what you've been doing at the weekend, but you work hard for him and you do what you shall for him and for your customers and those people you're working for and you reveal the beauty of Jesus Christ. That is what touches a person's life and nothing else. You know, I, I want to finish this morning by speaking about one of my favorite little Testimony, stories of 
in the New Testament, and it's from the book of Philemon. Now, Philemon is, um, uh, the Glaswegians call him Philemon, which, which is quite, you know, it is quite, gla- quite Glaswegian, Philemon. Yeah, oh, I'm going to Philemon. But Philemon, or Philemon, has a slave called Onesimus. And Onesimus is a rogue slave. And he runs away, and he runs away to Paul. And Paul is like a father to Philemon. And, and so Onesimus, he runs away, but he runs into salvation and not away from it. So he's in trouble, and he runs. Here's a clue for your life. If you feel like running, run into salvation and not away from it. If you're struggling... Run to where Jesus Christ is and those who carry wisdom in your heart and not away from it. And so Onesimus, in all his foolishness, in all the things he has done wrong, he runs and he meets with Paul. And Paul introduces him to the gospel and he gets him saved and he reveals something great about his life. And we're going to read, I'm going to read to you just Philemon 1 verse 8 and we're going to read right down to verse 15. All right, Philemon 1 verse 8. It says, Therefore, though... I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting. Yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you for being such a one as Paul the aged and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I'm sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord." See, what makes the difference? What made the difference in Onesimus' life? The difference, he, he left a slave. He's still a slave. Paul's sending him back because legally he's still a bondservant to Philemon. All right? So he's still bound to serve Philemon. That's his legal place in that context. But Paul says he might technically be a slave, but he's no longer a slave anymore because he found Christ, he's now a brother, and he reveals the behavior and the nature of a brother, not a slave. So his context hasn't changed much, but his heart has changed everything. And because it's changed everything, his life has changed. His purpose, his destiny, his value, and what he will achieve in Philemon's house, he will now live like a brother even though he's just a slave. You see, we are constrained in our natural world, but as we reveal what Jesus Christ has done, everything that God has done for us, as we reveal it to others, creates our freedom and liberty and takes us into places of favor that otherwise we would never go. Here's a key for your life. The level to which you 
are prepared to bring glory back to God is the level to what freedom you will live in. The level in which you are prepared to bring glory to God is the level to which the freedom you will live in. If you choose to adorn, embellish, magnify, focus not on your circumstances, not on your life, but focus on what Jesus Christ has done in you. Reveal Jesus Christ. Not your anger, not your frustration, not your hurt. Just reveal Jesus. I said back in the conference that the shadow that falls from us, who we are on the inside is what falls from you. And just make a decision before an event happens. You make a decision. If I'm faced with frustration, I won't reveal anger, but I will reveal grace because that's who Jesus has made me. Let the testimony in my life be one who reveals Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand up, shall we?